Welcome to Ministry Strong with Lisa Whittle, where ministry matters so much that a co-host and I have conversations to help strengthen and encourage ministry leaders to serve Jesus with integrity for the long haul. And we don't shy away from the tough issues about culture and the church. Talking with licensed professional counselor, pastor, and hospital chaplain, Michael McKenzie, today about crisis and comeback. Welcome to Ministry Strong. Thank you. It's great to be here. So the question that Joel and I really dove into this week was, should a leader be given a second chance? I know that you're you're all about sort of preventative care, and I want to get to, to that in a minute. Really important to me as well. But once someone in ministry does sort of have a crash, we'll say, what is your take on ministry leaders having a comeback? Like, so are there some questions that you would ask before you would want to see that happen? What What are some things that would come to your mind when you're con- giving consideration to they're wanting to have some type of a comeback? Sure. You know, I think that uh, as often as the case, we're trying to avoid the extremes. And, and sometimes I'll have leadership ask me, should this person come back, whoever that person is, whether it's a pastor or a CEO or a CFO or whatever their position is in the organization. And I'm like, you want to avoid the extremes. And the extremes are we just go on as if nothing happened and just put them right back in. Or we completely cut them off and say, hey, we're just going to replace you and move on. Yeah. And so what what is a path in the middle? Because I believe the Christian story is a story of redemption. Hmm. So why can our leaders not have that same opportunity? So, you know, you do have to have a unique path depending on the situation and what happened. Yet the goal is always redemption. Now, it may not be that they go back into the exact same position in the exact same way they were doing it before. So first there's, you know, redemption, you know, within themselves and then the redemption with God and with family and the organization, then redemption with the position itself would be the final kind of step. Yeah. I do think it is a difficult uh, process because you have all of these things at play and and one size doesn't fit all here. So there's obviously nuance to every situation, but you do have the issue of, okay, we care about the soul first, or we should care about the soul first, the soul of the person, the soul of the family that's often affected, right? And then you have the soul of maybe the, 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 the ministry that is affected individually. People are always affected. You know, it, it's never just the leader that this, this happens to. It happens to people that you lead, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so, I think, difficult and often egregious, I'll even say, when these things happen in the name of Jesus, because you're leading people in a spiritual way. And so that's 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 another layer of hard for people. Mm-hmm. But then you say, it's, it becomes confusing, I think, Michael, because people say, well, okay, this person was gifted, right? God doesn't take away that gift. And so mm-hmm. you're like, well what do we do with this? Because then do they just for the rest of their life, they go and work fast food and then they don't, they don't utilize this gift for the kingdom of God. But at the same time, do they go back into a space that proved to be maybe too intoxicating for their, for their soul and then Mm -hmm. risk that they damage people again? You know, so I, Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard and confusing and maybe that's a t- maybe that takes time. I don't know. Is is there such a thing as too soon for a comeback? 
Oh, for sure. You know, I think that errs to the words the extreme is when, you know, a pastor or another leader has a crisis and then the next week they're right back again. And or they even just take a, you know, a short few week, you know, break and then they're right back doing the exact same thing. And and let's say burnout, for example, my, you know, Experience would teach, you know, if you burned out once and you make no changes, even if you just get a break, you're going to burn out so much faster the next time around because you're not doing anything differently. Yeah. So the terminology, of course, in my world as a counselor is you need an accurate diagnosis. And that doesn't mean a mental health diagnosis. Sometimes it is. Mm -hmm. But really a diagnosis of what was going on here that led to the crisis that needs to be changed in, in within the person and within the organization. Because again, the risk is the old definition of insanity. We'll just do the same thing over again. Right. You know, and definitely coming back fast is nearly going to determine you will exactly do the exact same, same, same thing over again. I actually was thinking about that. I was thinking about insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. While you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, it is insane to think, well, I can keep the same pace or I can not have any accountability around me or I can continue to, you know, uh, be in this place, in this position that, you know, fed something inside of me that was dangerous for everyone. Um, you know, you sort of wish that we could be self-aware in those moments. But I do think that we get in these roles as ministry leaders. We love them so much sometimes. Um, and we lose our compass. We lose our way. I think one of the things that, that I think is, oh goodness, um, difficult, hard to talk about, it's also hard to know, is, is this self-awareness piece. Because I do think that... If we were self-aware, we could see how sometimes we come across to other people or, you know, we are even damaging. Because I was I was actually thinking about your your book. And I have to tell you, I, I mean, I get a lot of pitches for this show. But when I got your book, Don't Blow Up Your Ministry, I thought, OK, this is one of the best titles for what I believe in that, that I've ever heard. And this is the rub that, that I, that I feel and experience. Okay. So obviously your focus is on prevention and really it's the reason, Michael, why I even have ministry strong as a ministry and also not the podcast, but everything that encompasses this ministry, ministry strong, because I want to help strengthen and encourage leaders to serve Jesus for the long haul so that they don't cause their own early exit into ministry, out of ministry, right? Because that, so that has been my whole goal here, which is the, very similar to what you're doing here with your, your book and all you do. But the rub for me is that this self-awareness piece are the people who are headed for a ditch, the ones willing to listen and get help. <laughs> or well, that... are they the ones too prideful? And that's part of the problem in the first place. Well, you know, we do have that age-old battle as humans that until the pain is sufficient, we often don't want help. If it's working, what we're doing, working meaning, you know, we're being successful, so to speak, even though it may be stealing our heart and soul and damaging our relationship, but it's working on the outside. It's very difficult. You know, we do a lot of work in crisis because that is when finally the leader will say, I need help. 
Yes. And often, ironically, it's still their spouse who calls us saying they need help, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and they, they know it, but they didn't even want to call because they're too embarrassed yeah. to say it, even though they are saying it out loud. Hey, I, I understand. I need somebody to help me. I'm on the wrong path here. I'm doing something wrong because I am so and fill in the blank, exhausted, had a panic attack on stage, you name it. I know I need help, but yet I'm still hesitating even to make that phone call because of pride. And so I think it is difficult, but the hope is, of course, to continue to put it in front of people's paths so that they can stop that train from going over the cliff. Because no pastor I've ever worked with who has blown up their marriage, their ministry, or any other Christian leader I've worked with wanted to do that. And they all say, I wish five years ago I would have stopped fill in the blank, working this much, skipping my vacations, taking it this personally, you name it, whatever the issue was, they all regret now not. So my book and my kind of spreading the word is let's stop and take a look and try to prevent that from happening because nobody wants that. Yes. As a leader, do you ever feel like there's not enough of you to go around? Maybe you feel alone or that you're too busy helping others to tend to your own needs. Do you ever wonder who you should talk to about your life? If so, I want to tell you about Anchored Hope and the excellent counseling available to you today. Anchored Hope brings care and counseling to ministry leaders like you, as well as the people you serve. They offer convenient and confidential virtual counseling with professionally trained and theologically educated counselors. Choose a counselor based on a specific issue or contact the Anchored Hope team to ask for a recommendation based on your needs or partner with them as a ministry and utilize their services as a helpful extension of your team. As a shepherd and leader, you have to have a place you can trust for your own help and healing. To explore counselors and schedule your first session, visit anchoredhope.co. If you use code MINISTRYSTRONG at sign up, you'll get 10% off all your sessions through 2023. Again, that's anchoredhope.co. And don't forget to use code MINISTRYSTRONG when you register. Who doesn't love free resources? My friends at Women of Welcome are offering something I especially love, free Bible study resources. These studies are beautiful, simple, and can be done individually or with your small group. One of the things I love about Women of Welcome is how they connect the conversation about immigration to the broader pro-life conversation, connecting all the dots to help folks attach confidence to their compassion in the immigrant and refugee space. This makes them an especially important resource for ministry leaders. If you've never heard of Women of Welcome, I can personally give testimony to their heart for the gospel as I've gone on an immersion trip with them down to the southern border, and it was not only a beautiful experience, but one that has helped me better understand how to lead people in the immigrant and refugee conversation. Women of Welcome believes that God calls us to a deep love for the vulnerable, the marginalized, and the forgotten. They are an incredible resource because they help you understand biblical hospitality in a fresh and authentic way. You may not be able to go on an immersion trip like I did, but if you are interested in learning more, a great starting point is Women of Welcome's Christ-like Welcome Study, which you can download for free today. Spend five weeks in the Word exploring the complicated and beautiful welcome of Jesus toward His most beloved creation, human beings. 
To download your free copy of the Christlike Welcome Study, visit womenofwelcome.com slash ministry strong. That's womenofwelcome.com slash ministry strong for your free Bible study. I think that is so important. And I, I, even though sometimes I do feel like even, you know, the small piece of influence here with ministry strong and uh, whatever, it, it does feel like, you know, emptying the ocean with the spoon, that, that, that whole analogy, but it does feel like that. And yet at the same time, we do what we can. I think you do what you can. And, and it is making a difference, even, you know, piece by piece and person by person and talking about these things and, and, and bringing things out in the open because, you know, what's the alternative? We just we just sit back and, and, and don't do that. And that's 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 irresponsible. You say this in the book, there's a ticking time bomb in your ministry. It might be you. Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. Well, you know, you're going to get a counselor take on this, and that is that one of the overlooked pieces, ironically, in leadership is our own brokenness. You know, we learn all these skills, we learn all these interventions, we learn how to do our role well, whatever our role is. And yet one thing we often don't pay much attention to is my own personal brokenness that I bring into the situation, into the ministry, into the role. And as a counselor, I'm saying, hey, you know, ministry is a lot of pressure Satan gets in the mix. If you don't, if you aren't aware of your own brokenness and and actively paying attention and possibly working on it, it will be an open door for the pressure of ministry and Satan to really work you. And because because ultimately he's here to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. And so, you know, so that's what I mean about. And I got a big you know poster that I put up at pastor conferences, and I know some probably take it an offense to it, like I'm the problem. And I'm not trying to guilt pastors. I'm just trying to get their attention to say, "Hey, you're human. We we all know that we're all human." And so let's stop and look at what is your brokenness. Where do you struggle? Hmm. That may play into how you do ministry. For example, one study said up to 69% of people in Christian leadership are people pleasers. Hmm. Okay, there's a good side to that. The good side is you like people, you care about people, you care what they think, and that can be actually healthy in one way. And another way, it's like, where am I not saying no where I should? Where am I like overextending myself, which I guess same thing is not setting a boundary. You know, what am I doing because I am a people pleaser that I put on myself or God is not putting on me or I let other people put on me that I really don't need to be carrying. And so how does my own personal brokenness play out in how I do ministry? You know what has me fascinated about this, Michael? This is the way my brain works. This might be scary. You're a counselor. You can sit here and diagnose me. Uh, but my thought immediately went to what are the other 31%? What are they, what is their issue? And I'm sure it's broken up. Do you know? Well, you know, all I know is we all have an issue or more or more than one. So those other 31%, they do have a different issue, whatever the label is on it, you know, who knows, but you know, we're all going to have a, a crack in us somewhere that can be worked. And again, sometimes it's just awareness to say, hey, I know I carry this and I know that this meeting is going to touch that place. So how can I be prayerful and aware going into it so I don't react in an unhealthy way that's going to create conflict or withdrawal of the people around me? Because I don't see how they see me 
at that moment because I'm in fight, flight, freeze mode or whatever. Yeah. And not even not even aware of it. This is such an important conversation. And it, it is to me, especially, I think, because, you know, we do spend so much time pouring out. We do. The, the, here's the scary thing. We know how to counsel people and talk to people and we know all of the verses and we know all of the scriptures and, and, you know, I think it, it just becomes so autopilot sometimes for us. And, um, you know, that's, that's, um, that's real. And, and the people pleasing thing that I see that to me doesn't resonate as much, but I know so many people in ministry that it does. For me, I think I'm in the 31% and I, I'm constantly trying to say what what is my sort of thing. I know I have issues. Oh, my goodness. And for me, Michael, because I was I've been in ministry my whole life. My parents, um, my dad was a pastor and I, I, I uh, went through a lot with them and my father actually blew up his ministry. So you're you're talking to someone who has lived on that side of it, which you know, was a catalyst for why I wanted to serve people in a way to where I I know that my father probably wouldn't have been interested in your book. He wouldn't have been interested in Ministry Strong. But in reality, I also feel like it's still an offering to say, I want to help, you know, in in the event that something like that could have helped him. Uh, but for me, it, growing up in ministry, trust is, it's hard for me even today because of the things that I witnessed and all this. I, here's one thing that I think you, you say in the book, being a Christian leader is a dangerous job. I, I don't think that we're unaware of that as leaders, especially now. I think that's why a lot of Christian leaders, pastors are quitting right and left. I think we're more aware than ever that it is a hard job. It is a dangerous job. And I think a lot of us are scared to death that we're going to wind up the next casualty of ministry. At least those of us who know, you know, the, the temptations and the pitfalls. So here's my question to you. How do we walk the balance of sort of like this healthy awareness of the pitfalls while keeping the faith that we can do this that God has called us to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think I have a couple things come to mind when you ask that, and and you and you used a good word is walking awareness. The, one of the my big surprises in working with Christian leaders has been the lack of self awareness at times of how you know bad they were doing, and they were either not seeing or refusing to see the signs along the way. I mean, the pastor who goes up to preach one Sunday and ends up on the fetal position on the on the stage, hmm. full blown panic attack. Yeah. And he will say, because I've worked, you know, with pastors in that situation, I didn't see it coming. And then we begin to peel back and there was there was lots of red flags yeah. that were were ignored. So I think you're right in that there needs to be awareness of how am I really doing? So that means stopping. It means stopping and slowing down and going to a park for a day or whatever and really listening to yourself because if you're in the middle of all the spin of your to-dos you don't notice you just keep going Mm. you know so i think one is awareness how am i really doing how's my heart doing how are my relationships doing the second is true community you know i think of one christian leader that i was working with who was very successful but he was fairly arrogant you know and 
you know, he came into my office one day and he said, I want you just to shoot straight with me. What do you see in me that I need to work on? So I told him, you're really arrogant. And he didn't like that at, at first, you know, he, but he asked me, you know, it's a, it's a counselor's dream come true. Like, hey, yeah. tell me what you tell me what you see. And what was surprising to me, the guy really took it to heart and he really made some changes. And I would, but he says, nobody's ever told me that in my whole life. Wow. And he's like in his 50s. He's well accomplished. But everybody danced around him yeah. beca- because he's he's respected. Yeah. He's he's very gifted. And no, I'm like, nobody ever told you that his wife probably tried a few times, yeah. but yeah. probably wasn't heard, yeah. you know, but. But I think you really need to have some type of very open, real community where you're getting honest feedback. Now, that may not be the people you work with. It it may be a close friend. It may be a small group of of some folks, whether it's leadership folks or a small group as in your at your church. But I think another crucial part, in addition to your own self-awareness, is do I have anybody who's truly looking at me that has permission to say, I see that you're in trouble. Yeah. I, I see you're heading for a cliff. Let's talk about this. And, and you'll actually listen to them. You'll actually give them permission to do that and say, hey, I have an agreement. If you ever bring up something to me, I will take it to heart. And because often leaders are not told by those around them what's wrong because those people have other relationships with them. They don't want to damage those relationships with the leader by maybe confronting them. Yeah, and let's be honest. Uh, sometimes they don't want to lose a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's something in it for them as well. Um, you know, I I would love for us to <laughs> to be able to say that ministry is all this purely motivated entity, but you and I both know that is not true. And I think we do a disservice when we pretend that that's not the truth, that that's the truth. You know, I think that we, yes. we, we, because there, I remember one time I, I had a mentor in my life and we had some people in our lives, my husband and I, who were around us when things were sort of, um, when we were, when we were in a position of, you know, um, I don't notoriety. I don't know. It wasn't even that, but that's for lack of a better word. Like, you know, there was some type of notoriety there and it benefited them. And then they weren't around when that notoriety sort of went away. And I remember talking to my mentor about this and saying, I don't, these people, I don't like that because I feel like they're not really our friends. And he said to me, Lisa, there are people that just want to stand in your light and they will be around Mm -hmm. you just to stand in your light. And that was hard for me, but yet it wasn't because I've, I've seen it my whole life. I saw it with my parents. I, I've, I've seen it. it. It happens all the time in ministry. You can almost start to spot people who just want to be around you because there's some type of light that they want to stand in. So it isn't really about you, which, by the way, doesn't help my trust issues at all, Michael. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm now on your yeah. couch and you are you are um, yes. you are you are helping me through this at this moment. Hmm. But it's really true. I mean, I, I think there are things that happen all the way around in ministry from the minister, but also to the people that are around and not that are tiptoeing around. That's why I always say, 
you know, celebrity Christian culture is not just with the celebrity, quote unquote, the Christian celebrity. We all contribute to this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, crisis, comeback, burnout, boundaries, you know, spotlight, platform, whatever. It's it's all of our problem. And, you know, the crash and burn of the person that you see in the news and the ministry, it didn't just start and end with them. Mm-hmm. It's all For of sure. our issue. It, yeah. it is. It's a, it's a church cultural issue. You know, if we have a racehorse that's winning, we don't care how they're winning. We'll, we'll continue to cheer them on as long as they keep winning the race. You know, I, I've worked with a lot of, of well-accomplished folks in the Christian industry, so to speak. And after a while, they feel like they're on a treadmill yeah. that's getting faster and faster. And they actually wish they could go back to a quieter, simple time. But it's us who is demanding more and more. We want the next book. We want the next big vision. The next, you know, if it's a musical artist, we want the next CD or release of their album. You know, we want that. And so then they feel that expectation and that pressure, which is one of the main factors in burnout I have found is those unrealistic expectations and pressures, external and internal, that Christian leaders are under, like that I have to keep performing excellently and continually, you know, in whatever venue I'm in, I need to hit it out of the park. I mean, thinking about this, this, the horse analogy, I mean, it's just like, you know, meanwhile, the horse is over here overworked, uh, really thirsty, you know, fatigued, and we're still like, Keep going, you know, egging it on. I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's a problem all the way around. Yes, we are responsible sure. for our own behavior. Yes, we are responsible to rest and all this. But there are the the demands is it's just, mm-hmm. it's enormous. And my heart's so tender for leadership in this way. Churches are full of hurting people, and pastors spend a lot of their time helping hurting people get better. But who is helping our pastoral leaders heal from their own hurts, anxieties, and struggles? When these hurts aren't healed, how do they affect their ministry? Right now, Media partnered with best-selling author and psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud to answer these questions. A Church That Heals is a free video series that Right Now Media designed to encourage church leaders in their own process of healing. Taught by Dr. Henry Cloud, a church Church That Heals explores how spiritual growth and formation can lead to healing clinical issues, relational struggles, and professional discouragement. In this series, Dr. Cloud shares how leaders who are healed can better lead churches that heal. To access this free five-session video series, visit rightnowmedia.org slash ministry strong. That's rightnowmedia.org slash ministry strong. Today, millions around the world are suffering as a result of violence, oppression, and extreme poverty. Sometimes this endless cycle of suffering can feel overwhelming. If you're like me, you want to bring an end to the suffering. As a follower of Jesus, you feel compelled to make a difference in our hurting world, and you want your church to be a part of the solution too. But sometimes it's hard to know exactly where to start and who to trust. That's why I'm excited to tell you about The Path from our friends at World Relief. The Path is a community of bold, compassionate people of faith who are committed to fighting against suffering and injustice in pursuit of lasting change by partnering with World Relief through their monthly gifts to World Relief. 
Whether it is a crisis in Ukraine, an earthquake in Haiti, or an influx of refugee arrivals from Afghanistan, you can trust that the PATH community is already there, responding with the love of Jesus alongside you and your church. Thanks to the monthly support from the PATH community, World Relief is making a difference around the world, and you and your church can be a part of it. Join the PATH community of monthly givers by visiting worldrelief.org forward slash ministry strong. That's worldrelief.org forward slash ministry strong. Be a part of the solution. Join the PATH at worldrelief.org forward slash ministry strong today. You know, in thinking about a comeback, I think it's important to mention something important that you mentioned in the book. And I just want to say a a trigger warning here for someone perhaps struggling with their mental health. You have a chapter on depression and suicide. And I was really glad to see that you included that. Uh, And you include a thought of a pastor struggling with depression and ministry exhaustion. And here's what it says. It says, I'm fearful of getting well. I think people's expectations of me will only increase. And I thought about that. And I thought about the fact that, you know, people say they want their ministry leaders to be well. But then I think, you know, when we go on a sabbatical or you take two weeks off, you know, it's like, okay, you all good. Everything good. Let's throw more work at you. Come on, you're back. Go back to producing. Go back to content creation. Can you just speak into someone who feels like, you know, I'm just on the treadmill, uh, you know, and maybe even someone who feels like uh, they just don't know at this point what what to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's such a simple fix, but such a difficult fix. And what I mean by that, it is really going back to working for God and not for people. Mm. And that is such a simple thing. We say that, we say that, we know that, we say that, you know, with ease, so to speak. But the reality is we're always pulled towards what people's expectations are. And we know at the end of the day, they, they pay our salary and... We have to serve as part of our role, and that's all true. Yet, at the end of the day, what has God called me to, and how can I be faithful with what God has called me to, not what people's expectations are? And then working through what is my own personal dysfunction that takes on more Mm. than what God has called me to? Because I think we pick up so many things that God is not asking of us. You know, and often those are expectations of others or expectations of, of ourselves. And and when I, you know, work with Christian leaders who have had a crisis, the good side of a crisis is everything has been kind of torn down. Yep. Now, I, now I can rebuild. Yep. And they're like, okay, I got to rebuild differently. And what do I build differently? I'm like, well, what was your calling originally? And they, whatever it may be. But then this got at it and that got at it and that got at it. It's like, you know, and we go back, well, how come? And it was pressure and expectations of others or of self. And so I think, you know, it really is redefining again, what is my calling? What are the talents God has given me? And how can I be faithful with those Mm. and try to let go of prune off all the other things that get added in? And it gets really messy. I mean, a lot of Christian leaders' job descriptions are not clear and specific, and they, and they need to be, to put it in the real world. Yeah, and they grow. 
And they, you know, a lot of times we're in positions that we're really not equipped for. I mean, I remember, you know, this this was a especially a problem in, you know, in the 80s and 90s where pastors did everything. I mean, my father, who was not equipped to be a counselor, was, you know, preaching three times a week, going to every, you know, the the leader of all the meetings, and he was also counseling people, and he was also doing hospital visitation. I mean, pastors today don't even know what pastors back then were doing, but it was just an enormous amount of pressure and filling roles that really he, he just wasn't equipped and good at doing. So, I mean, you know, those things are, are, are so crucial, and God bless you for really serving people who serve because I know a counselor's job is also not easy. I know after the pandemic, I mean, counselors um, businesses took off in such a profound way because we were all just facing so many mental health crises and, um, you know, people in ministry, I'm grateful are, are more open to going and seeking help ourselves, but it's, it's, it's just been a crisis of monumental proportions. I know I don't have to tell you that, but I appreciate so much what you're saying. There is some beauty in having everything just laid bare and the secrets are out and you can then move forward in health. And I hope people will do that if you've been there. If there's someone who, you know, has been through just, they've just, they have literally hit rock bottom. They have been exposed. They've had a major crisis. It's all just come out. What would you say to them to say to talk about, you know, coming back and believing there's hope in God using their life again? Yeah, you know, I think I would just have to lay out as I tried and you know in the book that that there's many people who have walked this path and there is hope. It's a proven thing, you know, that God is a God of redemption. And actually in that worst thing that you thought was the thing that was going to kill you. That is the thing that's going to actually, God's going to work in and bring beauty mm. and life and renewal. So, so the pastors or Christian leaders who hid an aspect of themselves or a, even a sinful part of themselves, when it all gets laid bare and they truly experience God's love and grace and truth and then redemption in that, that actually becomes an area of strength in their life. Yes. And it's so interesting to see God take that. Now, I know when you're in the valley, you just don't see how that's going to happen. And that's why I put the chapter on depression and suicide, because I had read a study about, you know, the number of pastors committing suicide it has been increasing. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I work have worked with so many Christian leaders, have walked the valley, and it's been awful, it's been difficult. But now they're on the other side, and they can't even believe what God did with their own brokenness and actually use their brokenness as a platform to help others as often as the case when we walk through that valley. And so one is just many have gone before and God has proven himself again and again. Two, there is a lot more help out there than there used to be like in the 80s when your dad was a pastor. You're right, he probably wouldn't have went because a lot of pastors then would not go. And one, their job was to be at Jeopardy. And two, right. that just didn't line up with how they saw themselves and saw help. Yeah. You know, they didn't see going to a counselor would be you know, uh, a good thing in a sense, right. you know, it yeah. was a shaming thing. Yeah. And so, but today there are a, a lot of people who have dedicated their lives to helping folks just in your exact situation and want to. And just like you as a Christian leader have helped many others who needed your help exactly, you know, we're here to do the same for you. Mm-hmm. And we're here to say, hey, I know you don't see a path forward, but we do because one, we're trained, and two, we have seen the road 
before mm. and it's and it's there and it's doable i know it's so hard when you're in the middle it just blew up it just hit the fan you know everybody is abandoning you or threatened to abandon you because of what you've done or how you're acting or how you're feeling or whatever but there is hope god is a good god and there's the story isn't finished yet mm, so powerful you know my father i used i i've said this before my father preached to many, many sermons and to many, many people to tell them how much God loved them. And I can't tell you if I know for sure that he knew how much God loved him. And uh, mm-hmm. that's the irony so many times of we who minister to other people. Thank you so much, yes. Michael McKenzie, for being on the show. I highly recommend his book, Don't Blow Up Your Ministry. I am reading it right now, and I have to tell you, I think this is required reading for every single person in ministry. It's really, really that good. Uh, there are charts in there. There is just a depth of wisdom. It's... it's um, I find it to be really important, and uh, I just highly recommend it. So that'll be in the show notes. But thanks for being on and all of your wisdom today. Oh, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Ministry Strong is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts, produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Artwork by Caleb Peavy and Noel Rhodes. Original music by Robert Elkins. A special thanks to my Ministry Strong team. Thank you for your dedication and hard work. Your hosts of Season 1 are Lisa Whittle and Dr. Joel Matamale. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get strong in him. <laughs>